about being in the house of the Lord, having the opportunity and the privilege to worship and to serve him, to glorify him, to be associated with brothers and sisters in Christ, to be encouraged by our presence with each other and seeing how each one responds to the love of God. Always love to hear Nolan do the reading. It's always a, uh, a privilege to see him be willing to stand up and to be able to read the scriptures. I'm almost tempted to go through the audience and say I'm glad I am to see each one of you. I really am. It's good to see Colin and Kelly with us. They haven't been here in a while, and it's just great to hear that voice behind me. It's just a thrill. It's not where he wants it to be, but it is a thrill to see Herman, to see others. Uh, we just are grateful for the presence of each one. And I'm thinking in light of the song that we sung, Face to Face, we shall see Jesus. That anticipation of seeing that one day. But then I'm also reminded, what do we see when we look at each other? Do we see Christ living in us? Do we catch that glimpse of who we are? In the reading this morning out of verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And it's a new American standard that has the phrase in there, And such we are. We are the children of God. And there is a reflection of God to be seen in us as there is in the physical realm. To bear the characteristics, looks, whatever it may be of the earthly fathers. To see that we are indeed the children of God. And as a result of that, that recalls for a change in a life that we live a need to reflect upon what it is that God has done for us. Going back up to verses 28 and 29 of the second chapter. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. There is the imperfection in our wanting to be that imitator of God. But there is something special, again, to be in the presence of the Lord in his house, not just the physical building, but in his house, gathered together to worship, to praise him, 
to be edified and to encourage one another in our walk in the Lord. Longing for that day, as John describes, of seeing him as he is. Just trying to contemplate that. To see him as he is in reality. The last phrase again there in 29 of second chapter. Being born of him. Being born of God. John uses that several other times throughout his first epistle. Reminding us again, for those of us that are older, oftentimes remembered when you were younger and there was more freedom and traveling about, that oftentimes when you left home you got that word of encouragement from your mother or your father. Remember whose name you wear and do not bring any shame upon it. Not saying that that admonition was always heeded, but it was always heard. And sometimes we carry that over the spiritual realm. Remember whose name you wear, and do not bring any shame upon it. We've heard the warning, but at times it has not always been heeded. But the beauty is that we've never left the love of God. He's still there. Still loves us, still wants us to do what is right, still encourages us to do what is right, corrects us at times when it's necessary. To remember that each one of us individually, each one of us collectively, each one of us who is a child of God throughout the universe, that this is the result of one who so deeply loved you. He planned, executed the plan to make it possible that you would have this deep hope of one day seeing him face to face. have no way to comprehend that to be able to honestly, however it is, not in the physical sense I know, but however it may be, to look into the face of the Savior. To be able to say, thank you, God, for loving me. And thank you, God, for saving my soul. What it must be like As we grow older in the physical realm, you've heard me say before, I, every morning now, and it's been for a while, every time I look into, into a mirror, I'm asking the question, why is my daddy looking back at me? I look like my daddy at this age. Why is he looking back at me? When I look into the mirror of God's word, do I see God there? 
as has been reflected in my life? Am I growing in a way that would bring honor and glory to his name? We've been called the children of God. And again, out of the New American Standard, that phrase, and such we are. There needs to be that reminder in a life lived day by day. It's easy to get caught up in the world in which we live. We try oftentimes not to, but we're affected by the society in which we live, by the things that take place in this world around us. Sometimes we wonder why human beings behave the way that they do and the inhumanity that we express or inflict upon others make distinctions that ought not to be there that sometimes we forget. As we walk here, we are the children of a living God. And our life is to be a reflection of who He is. And our life is that desire of seeing Him again one day to be as He is. What are we as the children of God? We are the recipients of God's love in that very, very special way. As an individual, we work with it collectively at times. We work with it individually at times. Just to stop and to think for a moment how many billions of people have and are walking on the face of this earth. But because of his love for you, not just collectively, but for his love for you as an individual, he gave his son to die. That one day you could see him face to face. Tremendous love. And how as a parent, it's often been said you do not understand parents until you become one. Then you have a better understanding of what parents went through. But as a parent, for us to reflect upon his love, for us as an individual, what a love he's given. Again, the love in the physical family, the right to carry the name of the Father, and then you think what God has done for you. He's given you the right to carry his name. You ever thought about that? You are a child of God. He's given you that privilege and that name to carry. Because of a confidence that he had 
Planning redemption before a world began, yes. Executing his plan through human history, yes. Understanding that for the most part the world will reject, ridicule, mock what he has done, yes. But God also knowing that there would be individuals who would choose to want to wear that name. And that he would give them opportunity, he would give them time, not only to begin to wear that name, but to continue to wear that name with our ups and our downs, our strengths, our weaknesses, our forgetting. At times, some who have turned their back on him, but then later have been able to return back, to come back home. We are the recipients of his love. And so much more so, an heir of an eternal home that there's no way for us to comprehend. Growing up, there was always something special about home. Oftentimes it may have been the physical dwelling, but only because there was the life that was on inside of that physical dwelling, that it was safe. And not only was it safe, the door was always open. And there's been many times in the family, the physical family as well as the spiritual family, when the children have come in and gone out, strayed a little bit, and then come home again, the door was always open. To know that as you wear that name Christian, as you wear that name Christ-like, as you wear that name a child of God, being born again, that that door is always open. Because of the love that's there. And because of the love that the Father has for each one of his children. So John's trying to bring out a little bit here, a little bit here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That means an everlasting home. That means an everlasting presence of seeing Jesus, of seeing God face to face, however that shall be. We speculate, but that's all that it shall ever be is speculation. What will it be like? 
to see that Savior face to face. What will it be like to be in a place where there is no sun because God is its light? Where there is no temple or place of worship because God is the temple? A place that defines or defiles picture that you cannot catch a good glimpse of what it's like. John in Revelation tries there towards the latter end of the book, the street of gold, the pearly gates, and on and on it goes, the precious jewels and things that are there. But it really doesn't catch the essence of actually being in the presence. We live in a world that we know God has created. We live in a world that we know that he spoke into existence, a galaxy that is beyond any comprehension that we can imagine. And that's simply described as a footstool of God. We sing the song, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. But again, it is because of the love of God and the fact that he's taken notice of us. It's interesting to read in the Psalm, Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. When I look at creation, what is man that God would be mindful of us? that he would desire our fellowship with him and that he would long for us to make that choice so that indeed we could be with him eternally in the heaven. We are unknown by the world. At times we seek to want to be known by the world, but The world doesn't know us. Paul expresses his thoughts on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 9 and following. Talk about himself and then leading on from there. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. 
Even to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endured. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things, until now. The world does not see Christianity, Christ-likeness, and a positive light. It was true then, it remains true today. Being considered as the offscouring of all things until now. The expression has the, the thought behind it of your taking an SOS pad and you're scouring out the pot that's maybe been burned on the inside. When you get it all scoured out, what do you have on the inside? What is it good for? Good for nothing but to be tossed out. That's how the world sees Christianity. It has no purpose. The world would be better off without it in the eyes of the world. That's how we see it. And by just knowing that he walks with me, and he talks with me, and I am his, regardless of how the world perceives us, God sees us as precious children. to whom he longs one day to call home eternally. So how do we live here? For John is saying, you remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself you are a child of God. And as a child of God, then there's a different life that you live here in the world. And one day we shall be as the children of God. Hasn't yet been revealed what we shall be. We like to speculate. What would that spiritual body be like? How will we know each other? We go through all those things. And one thing we tend to forget, if God, who could create a world as we live in by a spoken word, has no problem in taking care of how to we as children will know each other in heaven. What type of body shall it be? It's a spiritual body. Well, what's it going to look like? How will we know that we've known each other down here. We go through a lot of that. How did Peter, James, and John know Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration? Did they have name tags on? Did they hear Jesus say, Moses, Elijah? We don't know. They were individuals. 
We do not simply disappear into a mass. There is individuality. And God in his great love knows exactly how that will be. We don't yet know how it shall be, but we know we shall be known, that we shall know as we are known. And God knows us intimately. And that's how we will know, however God chooses that. The beauty of what he's given here, in essence, is to remind us of the beauty that lies beyond. The individuality that is given to us here. And the ability that we have to grow in love for each other. It's just a reminder of what shall be there. His ability to pick us up when we fall. His ability to forgive us when we confess our sins. The promise he's given, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, says the Lord, gives us hope. And whatever heaven shall be, As children, that's where I want to be, is with my Father in his house, praising him for what he's done for me. Is that where we long to be in our life today? Are we longing to want to do the things that would be pleasing to God? I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. The song is to encourage one another. The song is to admonish one another. The song is to challenge one another. That's what we do with our singing, teach and admonish one another. Now is the time to make the life right. Now is the time to let the image of God be reflected in your life. But it may be that's not where your life is right now. It may be that that's what you need to do is to come home. He waits. He's there. It may be that you need to become that child of God through the repentance of the sins that separate you from God. The confession that he is the Lord and the Savior. The willingness to obey him in baptism for the remission of sins. To be raised to begin that brand new life as a child of the living God. And to anticipate and live in such a way that heaven is home. If you need to make a change in your life this morning, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.